Hey, here we go. This is the Individual Skills Hockey Podcast. It's another episode of Playing Fast. Today, we are moved from our usual podcast studio down into the depths of Pick, uh, the Plymouth Ice Center here, and we are uh, lucky to have Pat O'Leary and Ben Monahan on this episode of Playing Fast. So, uh, today's topic is going to be what, what age should you start working on the power play? Kind of a two-part topic, working on the power play at practice and actually having power play and penalty kill units. So let's just open it up right there. What are your initial thoughts on kind of what ages you should start that stuff? Well, I mean, I'm sitting next to greatness here to my left, so I'm never going to go first on these questions. So <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Mr. O'Leary go first, and then I'll either agree or disagree. Well, I mean, I think, you know, putting an age on it, it's tough, but I think, like, teaching concepts of those skills can be taught at a really young age. But if you're going to start putting out, you know, when you get a penalty or a power play in a game, let's say at squirt A, like, if you have a PP1, that's unfortunate. Um, just because, from the, in my opinion, the main reason is is you're putting negative thoughts or positive thoughts into kids' heads about what it means to be on the power play or not be on the power play. Um, and then basically are you working on that in practice you know an actual power play which is not what you should be doing so i think just being able to work on concepts is great you know creating two-on-ones you know net front presence moving the puck quick great things to work on with young kids but having a set unit um what i say in age level i guess bantams maybe but i don't know exactly what it would be but definitely not peewees or squirts I think that, like that's the biggest thing that people don't realize is how smart kids are and how perceptive they are when you are in a game and you're putting out your best players. Everyone understands that like both positively and negatively like what that means for their for their own like self-belief. Well, I think one thing I'll say before he moves on just to kind of piggyback that is so I um I'm fortunate enough to coach a U10 team here at YZ as well. Um, and it, it's been alarming um, for us as coaches to see how much our young girls count how long their shifts are and um, are they starting in the game. And I don't know necessarily power play and penalty kill because they don't really understand that piece of the puzzle because there's not a lot of those at that age level. But they really look at how long they're on the ice for, how long the line before them is after them are they going out after a goal and stuff and so it, it magnify that by a million when you start talking about you know special teams I, I don't know i mean i'm with pat on this one that obviously those that are doing it at squirts um you know sorry to hear that for teams that, that do that but I, I can guarantee you there are um for my experience of coaching uh at all levels i can tell you peewee double a is is the year where it certainly starts quite a bit um, and if you aren't doing it, every other team pretty much out there is for the most part. But that also says how much time are you practicing with it? And and we never did a whole lot. But when you get to certain games and regions or districts or whatever, it, it, it's you, you are seeing it everywhere at PWAA. It's eight out of the ten best teams are doing it. Um, it depends what your skill level is that you have. We did incorporate a little bit at PWAA's. Um, I would agree that Bantams is probably the age to do it because uh, those kids are getting ready for that next level of high school. But you see it all over the place at PWAA and probably younger levels as well. Um, but it's intro- introducing those concepts like Coach said, doing things in practice, small area games. You can certainly do those at a younger age. But I would say 
if you're a top 10 team in the state of PWA and you aren't doing it, you are in the minority. This I, I think that tracks with like a lot of different topics we always talk about, like like whether it's playing hockey all year round or certain things that like we know what the ideal is or we know what like the moral good thing to do is which would be like focus on development but then like you get to a tournament or you get to a game at peewees and the other team knows what they're doing on the power play and then they put three in on you and then you're like you're left like like there's there's a line out there somewhere and like a lot a lot of times coaches if you're doing the moral good thing every single time um there's downsides to that as well and i think the smart coach can get away with doing it at PWA or, or a level because say you're going into playing a team that you know is going to be close and maybe you're running a power play unit out there, but then you go play a team that you know is going to be running time. I would hope that coach is allowing the entire bench to see power play ice. Now, granted, a lot of coaches aren't doing that, but you can even it out. I mean, you guys know coaching high school, you can even things out throughout the year when you're playing those tougher teams versus a team that you're going to get running time on. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of things that come to mind too, as well as, is, you know, that's, we, we were talked about PWA or PWA or, you know, anywhere between that. But, um, and I think that at that age level, um, more than any other level is these kids are starting to, or I'm sorry, the coaches can help use power play time um, as kind of a carrot um, just because, um, you know, kids don't really understand what it's like to be out at the last minute of a game. Like, yes, we're all trying to win or who's starting or all those kind of things. So, but, but power play specifically more than penalty kill, um, you can really help kids understand, like, are you understanding the concepts, concepts that we're working on in practice? Not speaking of power play. I'm just speaking of the things we talked about before, you know, being a good teammate and all those other type of things. And so it's like, you can use that. I mean, obviously you got most of those, if you're going to put out skilled kids as well, but you hope. Sometimes those are both of the same kids, your leaders, but you can use it as a carrot just being like, okay, well, we're going to, you're, you're going to get some power play time because you have been really good on the forecheck or you have not taken any dumb penalties or you have whatever the case may be. There's a thousand things, right? That kids at that age really don't understand because a lot of times that age of hockey these days is surrounded around triple A hockey, um, you know, skating around cone type hockey, um, a lot of individualistic things, which is great for their overall development. But at what time do you start integrating team concepts into it um being a good teammate um you know making everybody else around you better and i think you can do that too and i think another thing that came to my mind when you were talking about you know bantams over peewees and it's it's kind of crazy but it is what it is i mean i think what we forget sometimes lately in the last five years is that some peewee double a kids are one year away from high school hockey um so because they're going to be eighth graders next year they're going to play Bam, i mean we're talking about elite players here yeah they're, they're going to play bam double a as a first year and the next thing you know they're going to be on high school the next year whether they should be or they shouldn't be that's just where we're at with everything so with that being said um it, it is a very interesting year of hockey for these kids um just because you know they might be 18 months away from trying to play a regular shift uh you know against the men yeah uh one more thing I wanted to make sure we talked about is the actual working on the power play. And I bring it up because we have high school practice today at 345. We're going to work on the power play. But my plan or my attention is to do a small game with power play concepts introducing. Um, and, and the benefits of that, obviously, everyone gets to play. Um, you're putting them in an environment where they're learning how to 
have deception. They're learning how to create two-on-ones without you actually telling them what to do and be robots. So what are like, what are some of your guys' thoughts on the best ways to um, create an environment where you're working on power play concepts and the kids might not even know it's happening? Well, I mean, you had mentioned just small area games, certain two-on-one drills, like you said, you know, down low, net front, um, creating those, you know, uh, three-on-twos on one side, trying to get it to your team to the other. So creating small area games that are working on a power play concept as well as a PK concept that doesn't have eight kids or seven kids taking a knee on the ice while half the other ice is sitting there, you know, vacated. Or if you are doing it, then doing it out of both ends. But just trying to use those small area games and little things that, that create those two-on-ones, trying to get it to the guy, you know, in front, um, maybe doing some cycling drills or whatever, just things like that. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think, you know, for me personally, just, you know, watching the game and trying to understand it more every single day and, and, and kind of see what the best, you know, NHL players are in the power play, which is what we're always kind of going after. But, you know, the best, you know, power play players are guys that are really good one-on-one, guys that are really good two-on-one, guys that are really good three-on-two. And then on top of that, which is something we don't talk about much anymore, which, you know, I take very a lot of pride in, is we don't ever talk about give-and-go hockey anymore. So good power play players are guys that move the puck into space that's open, but also try to get into space that's, that's maybe not open or is open at some point. And then, I mean, puck movement is so important, you know, and, and so like you build off of just concepts that you're trying to do in practice every single day, and then you start seeing kids that can actually understand what it means to move without the puck, what it means to move when they, you know, want to instead of when they have to. Um, and then on top, and then if you get to a high level of, let's just say high school hockey for that matter, when it starts getting serious, like you got to get guys that can shoot off passes and you got to get guys that like can go to open areas and get, you know, goals. So, um, you know, how you develop it is like he's like Ben said, is you got to continue to work on those skills that you're doing. And then I think on top of it, like he mentioned doing it in both ends, we do a lot of that with our high school team. It just creates a lot of, you know, inner compete, right? Like, I mean, you're not going to be like, okay, whoever scores the most goals gets to be on the first power play tomorrow. But it's like, if you have two good units, that's the way you can do it. Um, I think another part about it that's kind of interesting is, is if your kids are doing both of them, right? Killing penalties and getting on the power play. Um, it d- does one of two things. It creates, compete which we want um, but it also teaches them both sides of the puck um, which teaches them the offense of the puck side of the puck as well if we're talking about that piece of it and then I think the last part about it for me is it is really really hard to work on the power play um, at a youth level all the way up to high school I believe if you have kids that are killing that want to take the puck away from your guys and so ba- like I mean, speaking of us like we'll work on it today like you said and our killers know what we're trying to do and they will stop our guys and then it creates frustration for everybody. And it's almost like you're not getting anything out of it, but you actually are. So it's like, like I, I always tell a story when I was in college, uh, you know, I was blessed enough to be on the best and I wasn't on it, but I was on a team that had the best power play in the nation. And I was a killer scout team killer. And I took a lot of pride in setting them up for success. Now, maybe I made them look too good, but it actually worked in the game. But kids at this level don't understand that. Like, hey, we're trying to get our guys a score in practice so they feel confident. They're like, no, we're not. I'm trying to take the puck away from them, you know, because I'm sick of hearing them score on me. You know, so it's there's so many different things that come into play. And well, I was gonna say, keep in mind we've talked for however long here, but 90% of it has been about the power play and not much of the penalty kill, which was also <laughs> part of the topic. But yeah, keep in mind that that's another way for you know as kids get older to Bantams or, or high school, the kids that aren't on the power play, some of those kids might take pride in being on that penalty kill. And they might get on the penalty kill more than the other kids uh, that are running the power play. So, on a given game, you might have five penalties that day that you got to kill off, and maybe one or two of your power play guys didn't get the ice on those special teams plays. But you had those role players that 
that did, and they take pride in that. So as kids get older, it might not always be the same kids that are seeing both power play and penalty kill. I want to add to if you are trying to work on the power play at your practice, you can also incorporate power play skills into your skill drills. Pat already mentioned it. Shooting off the pass is a big one. Another big one is like how you're catching passes. Like, are you catching them in a shooting position so you're a threat to pass or shoot? And then um, adding a pass and then maybe a shot. Or just simple line drills of like how you're handling the puck. Are you protecting it well? Are you, um, like I said, getting in a shooting position and then doing something else? Um, And then I wanted to add to like on the penalty kill for skills or maybe small games like pickle in the middle with one guy in the middle on the mm-hmm. circle like that's penalty killing like having an active stick and trying to deflect pucks so anything else to add yeah last thing i'll say on that is 100 accurate and i think what happens is is that you know what you're trying to create these kids ability to do when they're receiving those pucks that you talked about is when they receive it they don't have one option after that they have like multiple options whether it's shoot whether it's turn their body and pass to the back door whether you know whatever the case may be and then i think another thing to piggyback on that too is you know, it's so funny to watch, like, how simple, how much, let's put it this way, how much time we put in to the power play, and especially at the highest level, but how much time you put into the breakout and getting the puck into the zone and so on and so forth. And all that comes down to is simple execution of 10 to 15 foot passes that we miss all the time, you know. So it's, it, and that just goes back to square one of what we talked about. That's just a basic skill you're trying to teach these kids every single time. It's like if you, at the end of the day, kids, if you can't catch a pass on your forehand, then you're probably not going to be in the power play at some point, you know? And it's like, but that's how you show that you can do it. You know, like you got to be able to get the puck in the zone or, you know, win a face off to get the puck on offense, you know, creating space. So it's just this little basic things of just, you know, the, the regular great things you need to do to be as a player or come back to the basic five skills of hockey and you got to be able to have them. All right. To wrap it up here, um, squirts and 10 you, we, we don't want to be seeing power play practice. Um, at your practices now you can set up small area games to work on some of the concepts and some of the skills uh A, 12 ua i think a uh, little bit more acceptable um maybe towards the end of the season um and then finally your top level bantam and, and 15 u teams um again acceptable to be working on it but um even then shouldn't be shouldn't be a weekly thing of uh of 20 minutes uh with with power play units so anything else to add before we wrap it up nope i'm good i got one more thing okay thinking about that so speaking of from our team specifically in our high school team and teams that i've coached in the past is when we when you play again to what ben talked about when you're playing against a team that is a team that you are better than or maybe you're up three goals going to the third or whatever the case may be and you take the dogs off and you put out your third line guys fourth line guys in the power play what i always tell our guys is I ask them, like, because if you watch them, they look nervous. It's like, weren't you on the power play at some point in your life? You know what I mean? So it's like all these kids need to learn to be on the power play at some point. I'm not saying you're trying to pigeonhole them up to some spot when they get to high school level, but all these kids, that if you make it to the to a, to a high level, and I guess I would even put Bantam AA as a high level, they had to have ran the power play in squirts or, or worked on it in squirts or peewees or so on and so forth. It's like, so you got to keep everyone involved so they're, they can do it at some point. Yeah. All right, that was an episode of Playing Fast with Individual Skills Hockey Podcast, and we will see you next time.